Today, I'm talking with Jan Tutan. He's the CEO of a company called Econocom. So Jan naturally bridges the gap between people and cultures. As president of the French Chamber of Commerce in the Netherlands, he is in a unique position to stimulate French and Dutch cooperation. As the CEO of Econocom, Jan has embarked on a journey to bring the future of work into his own company and create more happiness for the 300 employees he is responsible for. Jan is an avid believer in remote work and the value of experiences over possessions. Observing a trend in the future of work towards companies becoming remote, he is on a mission to improve the quality of people's lives by helping employees work on their own terms and be location independent. Welcome, Jan. Whoa, who's this guy? <laughs> Hopefully it's you. <laughs> so, I'm impressed. <laughs> so, so tell us more about how this Frenchman ended up in the Netherlands. Um, I came here uh, for my work. I had the opportunity to uh, start a business here in Holland. And uh, I was at the time uh, married with a Dutch woman. So that was two good reasons. People say most of the time you go to a place for your work or for love. Well, I came for both. <laughs> so that's my story with Holland. I, I love it. I'm here 12 years and I really love uh, living in this country. Tell me more about what your company does. We Netflix IT. We Netflix IT. What does it mean? It means that when... One of our customers or partners have an uh, IT project. We help them to turn it into a subscription model, into a monthly payment. That's why I say with Netflix IT. Uh, before Netflix, you had to have your own uh, DVD player. You had to rent some DVDs or to buy some DVDs and to play them. And now you just push on uh um, your smartphone or your TV, and then you get direct access to a large amount of movies for a price per month. Well, we do the same with IT. So basically what we do is that our customers have the facility to use as much IT as they want, infrastructure, software, and they pay us a monthly fee for that. So who are the typical users of your software? Yeah, I will give you uh, an example. It's it's software and it's also hardware. It's the whole component. I give you an example here uh, in Holland. Uh, the primary schools are uh, struggling to implement e-learning for the the young kids. Uh, and I've seen the e-learning platforms. I love it. I want to go back to school when I see that, <laughs> because it's the gamification of the learning process. You know, for example, learning how to speak uh, English for a Dutch kid is in is in a game. So you have a game where you go to different levels as soon as you reach a certain amount of points and so on and so on. So they, they, they don't realize they are learning. But to make this happen, you need e-learning software, you need tablets, you need digital boards, you need Wi-Fi. You need all this infrastructure that a school uh, is not able to organize itself or it can organize it itself, but it's not their core business. So we offer to schools a solution which is to provide e-learning software, tablets, Wi-Fi, digiboards, um, insurance, uh, because some of them will, of course, fall from the tables, uh, maintenance. And we provide this for a price per month. And I'm very proud. This is eight euros per month per kid. Wow. Very, very cheap approach to e-learning. So, And there's a 90 days trying period. So after 90 days, if you don't like it, you can return it. 
This is what we do. This is an example. And how did you get on this path of remote teams? Because the, the thing that jumped out at me the most when we first talked was you are intentionally making your company 100% remote for very particular reasons versus that's just kind of how your company evolved. Well, the main drive is uh, innovation. So the main drive to have the company remote is innovation. And as you understood, an offer like the one I just explained uh, before for the primary school needs quite some uh, innovation uh, to think different and to uh, offer to uh, those schools uh, a different way of addressing their needs. And this is something that we have designed internally within the organization. Um, thanks to the fact that uh, some people were working uh, outside of the organization and were working from their customer, which were schools. So I believe that remote work, and I'm, I'm already <laughs> I'm already embarrassed that we have so much so little time, uh, John, because remote work is a topic I can talk for the whole uh, the whole night for me. Um, what I believe in is that remote work is a way to break the routine, is a way to stop um, using the cruise control of your life and of your work to think different, to be in different places, to meet different people, and then to be disruptive. That's why. Where did you get this idea? I met quite some people that work remote or location independent in some uh, location independent um, uh, meetings. Uh, and I realized that there's a huge upcoming trend of location independent entrepreneurs. And when starting talking with them, I, uh, it came clear to me that remote work, has, of course, has a lot of impact, but it came clear to me that remote work is a way to refresh your life, is a way to be every day triggered by new environments, and then uh, it connects directly to innovation. Tell people more about what's required to be remote at your company. <laughs> um, I believe in the, in the process that I call the remote ladder the four-step remote ladder, four steps to go remote. And something I've defined, designed myself, defined and designed myself. And the first step of being remote, and maybe some people are listening to this podcast and want to move to a remote organization, the first step, I advise, is to be remote in your own office. So it's to make sure that people will not work from the same desk every day. And a lot of companies already use what we call flex desk. So you are in open space and you can work from any of the desk you want. Uh, when you arrive in the morning, this is key to go to remote because it forces people to reduce their possessions and to digitize everything they have. I'm used to say that we don't do paper. When someone hands me a visit card, when someone hands me a paper, I say, I'm sorry, I don't do paper. Find another way <laughs> to give me this information. I don't do paper. And when you start to think this way, when you start to think fully digitized, you are able, within your own office, 
to move places and to change places every day. And it's already a way to be remote because you will change perspective on the open space. You will change neighbor. You will work with another colleague next to you. You will already put yourself in this, um, I would say, unusual way of addressing your work instead of sitting every day at the same place and having the same um, perspective, the same coffee machine and the same joke from uh, your uh, dear colleague. <laughs> now, what about... <laughs> See, I don't think this would work for me, per se. Like, what, what about people that have a preference or work better in a more predictable environment? The, the office space is still here. So you can also decide to come every day and sit at the same desk every day. That's also possible. I don't want to force everyone to go remote. Some people have the need of uh, structure and um, uh, I can provide this structure, but I think um, this is a, a wrong statement, what, uh, what is being uh, said now, because the remote doesn't mean no structure. You can be remote and have structure. Um, and I give you, I would like to give you the three other steps of this remote ladder that I have in mind. Yeah, go for it. The, the, yeah. So the first step is to be remote in your own office. I've explained enough. The second step is to be remote within your ecosystem. Around your organization, there are different players that are uh, interacting with your company, suppliers, customers, uh, business partners and so on and so on. Of course, you may have to visit those people, but even if you don't visit them, uh, if your job doesn't make you visit them, I invite you, I invite my employees to visit them on a regular basis and to work from there. I uh, no later than uh, last week, I had a meeting in um, at my um, accounting firm. So the people who validate my yearly accounts and I was there at 11 in the morning, 11 to 12. And I said, guys, this afternoon, I need to work behind the desk. Can I use one of your room? Of course. And then I've stayed the afternoon from there. It was very interesting for me because I've worked in the middle of these uh, auditors, uh, all wearing uh, <laughs> a tie, you know, which I was like, oh, a tie, interesting. <laughs> but it, I'm just making a joke about the fact that the codes are different. The, the DNA of this company is completely different. And it was good for me to work from there because I was feeling a lot of structure, a lot of organization, a lot of, uh, you know, um, very sequential way of thinking. And it has brought me a completely different vibes, different energy in what I had to produce during this day. So work from your ecosystem, work from your partners, your customers, ask them if you can stay longer, if you have a meeting there. And it's a next step to be remote. The third out of four is co-working space you decide not to go to the office you decide not to go to one of your partner in your ecosystem then there is a great co-working space next to your house waiting for you to have a great experience there and the great experience of a co-working space is that you will be working mainly with self-entrepreneurs you will be working with people who need a co-working space need a community not to feel alone so you will be in the vibes of entrepreneurs, which is again a completely different vibe. And you will be also in the vibes of the community that is managed by this co-working space. Co-working spaces like to create a community feeling. So you, comp you join a completely different 
family, let's say. And the last uh, step of remote work is you are traveling for your business, for your holidays. Stay one week longer. Stay one day longer. Stay one week longer where you are. And from there, find a partner of your business. Maybe there's one nearby. Find a co-working space and stay there and work from there. Instead of directly coming back from holidays on the Sunday evening, pay the most expensive flights, be in the in in rush of everyone and be back at the office Monday morning where you could have stayed one or two days longer and work remote. And that's the last step. So there's, if you listen to me carefully, John, there's one thing I didn't mention. What was it? <laughs> Home office. Well, you can't, I what, what I heard you say was you can't have one because you're in the co-working space, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I um, promote not to work from home. So remote work, I put a cross on home office, a cross on home office. I think that if remote work is about creativity, you will not find it at home. So is that a, is that a law? Is there exceptions to that? Um, yeah, yeah. When people connect from home, they get an electric shock from their laptop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the longer they stay, the higher the voltage. <laughs> and you have a webcam installed. To yeah, watch yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it's, people do what they want to do. Of course, they have the freedom to, um, they have my trust. So they do what they want to do. But uh, I don't believe that uh, home working uh, contributes to the best value you can get from remote work. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think some of my internal pushback on some of this is, and it, you, you mentioned, you know, working at your accounting firm. I spent a time in public accounting, and yes, that office was a completely different vibe. I mean, it was yeah. t- 25 years ago, too, so mm-hmm. uh, I know times have changed. Um But one of the challenges I've had across my entire career, in fact, when I was in public accounting, four, five, six, seven of us would often sit around a big boardroom conference room table and work for the day. And I found it so hard to concentrate. So Mm -hmm. I do my my best concentration and my deepest work when it's quiet and I'm in kind of a secluded private space. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know. So I guess I'm I'm just kind of trying to try this on for myself. Like, would a person like me not be a good fit for your company? Well, if you want, if you're not sensitive to electric shocks, uh, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can you can work with uh, you know with uh, plastic gloves. Eh? Yeah. Okay, some rubber, um, some rubber, a rubber mat, and. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I mean. Sorry, a rubber, yeah, rubber suit. Yeah. <laughs> a rubber suit. Um, well, I provide um, areas in in the office where people can isolate themselves. So it's not only uh, open space, and there's also some uh, concentration uh, room where you can focus. Um, but I also uh, believe that the focus you can have um, uh, today, you have your, uh, we provide all our employees also a headset. Uh, with with noise cancelling, uh, which really helps to focus. Um, and the thing is, um, 
I don't believe also that people can focus more than like two hours in a day. You know, uh, more than two hours of focus is a uh, well. I, I don't think it's the average. So uh, what I see also is that people can come to the office and focus for two hours and then do collaborative work the rest of the day um, without having to to be uh, isolated, so to say. So we we find a way. We find a way, but it's true that. Um, uh, people who need a lot of uh, concentration, a uh, lot of focus uh, in an environment like the one I provide uh, might uh, face some challenges. Yes, correct. But okay, but I also hear some. Okay, originally I think I'd heard this as like these were the rules, like it has to be this way. You can never work at home, uh, you always have to sit in a different desk. But what I'm hearing you say is there's a very strong preference for that, and that's how you mostly want it to be, but you can also break those rules. Yes. If you um, can withstand electri- electric shock. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but what, exactly. what, I'm, what I'm also hearing, though, is, and this, this would be appealing to me, is there is a level of respect and understanding that people need to concentrate, and so you've constructed ways for people to concentrate, and I'm totally with you that, yes, yeah, the most I can probably like do really deep concentration is a day is maybe two or three hours. If I'm super mm-hmm. lucky on a given day, maybe four. Uh, yeah. And that all happens before lunchtime. And the afternoon yeah. is not my most creative time. So, yeah. So, yeah, using that as like a collaborative, interactive time, that would make a lot of sense. Mm. I have uh, also, you have to know that there is an area, there's a part of the co-working space is a silent place. Uh, like you know, in the library, when um, when I was a student, I recall uh, when I needed to prepare my exams, I was doing it from the library. Why? Because at the library, there is a common rule that says here there should be no noise. Right. And if someone starts talking or two students starting to talk together, then there will be someone saying, "Shh, please respect <laughs> silence," always. And this is something that have uh, also imported and something that also exists in Holland I'm impressed by that in the trains so you have in the trains in Holland you have silent areas so you have one part of the train one car it is a complete silent car so if you start to take a call everybody in the train will say shh silent <laughs> oh I like that yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's very impressive and it's the first time as French man I was there I was taking a call and I see everybody like shh, shh <laughs> why, why, why are they? And then someone points me on the window. It's a big sign, you know, silent car. I'm like, whoa, okay, okay, okay. That's that's okay. Yeah, okay. That's now, great. That that provides more. Yeah. So we're in these four steps. Like, how long? Where are you in the steps? And how long have you been pursuing it? And when do you hope to get to the fourth step? Everybody has his own uh, tempo. Uh, some people uh, want make the step number four because they they feel uh, not comfortable, they feel uh, guilty, you know, they feel they are not at the right place. Um, some people go direct to the step number four and I have to tell them, uh, maybe it's better you, <laughs> you come back sometimes. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's like, it's like everything with human beings. As soon as you give freedom to people, uh, everybody has his own way to, to, to pick this freedom and to use it. Um, what is interesting is that the abuse 
uh, of this freedom is very rare. Uh, and uh, I quickly see that uh, people have more maturity that we tend to believe on the, on the right uh, usage of the freedom that is being given. What other surprising things have you seen? The resistance of managers. Mm, tell me more about those managers. Uh, the, the, the resistance I've uh, faced is resistance from the management um, because the um, two main reasons. One first reason is the inability to check that people are working, so to see, to, to, to witness people working. And the second thing is the uh, challenge to uh, be a leader without your team around you. And the, the first one is, of course, something that is, um, uh, that, is, that is a perception, that is a belief that because you have your people around you, they are working. Yeah, and that's an age-old yeah. problem. I, yeah. In public accounting, we would play the game of leaving your suit jacket on the chair. It was like, what's better, mm -hmm. to like freeze on the way home and create the perception that you're still there or go home? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that uh, well, you know the drill. So yeah. it's not because people are in front of you in the open space that they are working. Um, that's one. And um, second, um, within an organization, we do have um, some external players that we don't see working and that deliver value to the organization. So we can be back to the accountant firm and accountant firm will provide you some, um, uh, some work, will provide some work for your organization, but you don't see those people working unless you take the, the step two of the remote ladder and you work from that place, mm. <laughs> but you don't see them working and you, you trust that they will deliver what they have to deliver. So why would you trust that your accountant firm will do the work that has to be done to deliver what you ask, and you don't trust your own people to do it. Fascinating. That's, that's amazing. You give more trust to an external party than to your own people, where your own people are here to produce the most value for your organization. I always take the example, you know, <laughs> I, I do it sometimes, uh, as a, to joke with some colleagues, when we use um, uh, um, a de delivery of a, of a, when we use par parcel services like UPS or DHL, I always say, oh, let's go to the driver and, and ask him some questions. Mr. Driver, can I see your CV? <laughs> and do you know what, how this box will be brought from A to B? Will it be by a car, a boat, a plane, a train? And um, how many people will handle the box? And uh, what will be the average margin of delivering this box? And of course, the guy is like, uh, please sign here, I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> and well, this example is to say that you give to a company a box to be brought from A to B, and you're not asking how they're going to do it. You're just focusing on the result. The box has to be in B. Okay. It's the same with your employee. You ask them to do something, don't ask them to do to know how they're going to do it. Just ask them to do the thing. And if they do it from here, from somewhere else, on their own, with someone else, if they, on their own money, buy an assistant in Asia to make it happen, 
I don't mind. Just do it. So focus on the output. That's the key. Say more about leadership in the remote context and how, how you've helped them overcome that. It means that um, you have to first redefine trust. So what is trust? And I've worked a lot on that. Um, trust is to lose control. So if you say you give trust, but you control what people do, then you are not giving trust. Giving trust is losing control. And that's the difficult part. And we can record another, another podcast on the JOMO, the joy of missing out. Losing trust is, uh, is the most difficult part of, uh, sorry, losing control is the most difficult part of giving the trust. Because when you give control, when you lose control, you give to this person the possibility to do something in your name that can have an irreversible impact on you. This is trust. You give to someone the possibility to act on your name and to do something that can have an irreversible effect on you. When I uh, talk about trust with my people, I make sure that it will not have an irreversible effect on me by defining, defining a clear playing field which gives them the room to do mistakes. So losing control means that people will do mistakes. And the key as a leader is to make sure that people have a playground to make mistakes that will not put your company bankrupt tomorrow. So they have the room to do mistakes, but those mistakes must have a limited impact on your organization. And second, um, the ability to do mistakes and the safe ground you provide to your employees to do mistakes will make them become more responsible of uh, the trust they get from you. So it's about losing control. It's about giving trust. It's about uh, providing a safe ground to do mistakes, and it's about to make sure that people understand the mistakes they do, and that they don't come by tell you, oops, I made a mistake. No, they come to tell you, oops, I made a mistake, and to solve it, I think about this, 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 this. Do you agree? There's also what I hear too, is you're, you're empowering them to take ownership. It's a way, good way to summarize this long answer, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and the other thing that jumps out at me too is, I don't know if you said this in our first conversation, but when you lose, the, I think you said this, the idea of when you're not in control or you're losing control can also lead to innovation or new discoveries. Of course. Yeah, definitely. What's an example yeah. of, of how you've done that yourself? Well, I have... Um... One example that, that comes to me is um, 18 months ago, I, uh, I, have, I am being offered to go uh, on a sailing trip across the Atlantic from Europe to, uh, to uh, the Americas on a sailing boat for us to, to cross. And it was one of my dreams, you know, from, I, I really something I wanted to do in my life. And I'm invited to do this, uh, this crossing. Um, in January, 
And it, it has to happen in January and it's three weeks. Three weeks at sea. And uh, I say, wow, yeah, yeah, let's go. It's wonderful. I'm very happy. So the, the owner of the boat uh, who invites me says, well, uh, first you have to have a call with the captain of the boat. So you're sure you have a good match with the guy. So I called the guy, very enthusiastic. I said, hello, I'm Yannise. Listen, before we go further, you have no connection during three weeks and I decide when we arrive. Now you sleep on it and you call me back tomorrow. Beep, beep, beep. I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a statement. This guy... <laughs> he just hung up on you? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I said, this guy knows... It's not the first time that he has a CEO on his boat, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> he really shows who's the boss, you know. Right. So I'm like, wow, this this is tough. I will not be able to have any connection for three weeks. Zero contact, zero connection, no 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 internet, no nothing. Three weeks. Uh and uh I don't know when I arrive. Maybe this week, maybe the week after, depends on the wind. So I'm really like, wow, this is tough. And uh, of course, January is the moment where you close the year, you close your books, you you fine tune your, you decide to take some provisions or not to release them extra. So you you really fine tune your 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 current result. And um, so I'm really embarrassed. So what I do, I go to my teams. I go to my teams and I put the thing on the table. I say, guys, wow. girls, look. I have this great opportunity. It's a one life opportunity, one lifetime opportunity. I can do this, but I am really like, I'm, I'm really bad. I'm really, I'm really not at ease to tell that to you. Only telling that to you, only thinking about it is already making me very uncomfortable. So we had this discussion starting and I said, but look, this is a great opportunity for us to show you that we can run a business without you. You are giving us a great platform to uh, be autonomous because we will have to make decisions uh, without informing you. We will have to make uh, some steps without informing you. And um, you give us, in fact, a great opportunity. It's a lot of respect by uh, asking us this, uh, this 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 way of working for three weeks. So I'm like, okay, I have my team with me, so now I have to go to my shareholder. <laughs> And I have to explain my shareholder that I will disappear three weeks at the moment of the closing of the year. And I go to my shareholder and I have a, a list of 20, you know, 20 great points, 20 good reasons to go. And uh, before I enter the meeting, I'm like, this is not about fact. This is about emotions. So I quickly Google a picture of a sailboat in the middle of the, the sea. And I enter the meeting and I say, guys, look, you see this boat? I'm going to spend three weeks on this boat and I have bad news. This is in January point period. And I wait for that position. And one of them stands up and he say, if you don't do it, you're fired. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I did love it too. Did you expect that? No, not okay. I was ready with my 20 points. You know, I had my 20 <laughs> bullets ready to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love. So what gave you the awareness? Like that, that seems like amazing self-awareness to say, oh, this is a, how did you put it? It was like, it was an, emo it was like, there's, yeah, there's a huge disparity between looking at this. Like I'm thinking, looking at this picture of the sailboat on the ocean is totally different. Like 
different stuff is coming up inside than looking at your yeah. 20 bullets. So like, exactly. how did you know to go there? Like what pointed you there? I was, you know, I was about to enter this meeting and I was, um, I was thinking those guys, they get arguments every day. They get, they get, they get reasons to do or not to do plus, minus, extra SWOT analysis. So again, one of them, I was, I was about to, to be boring, you know? So I decided to, <laughs> I decided to flip the approach and I said, I'm going to talk to their heart and not to their head. And I thought maybe I, I, maybe one of them is a sailor. Maybe I, don't, I didn't know where really they are. Their uh, hobbies. Uh, maybe it's going to talk to one of them. Maybe one of them has missed this opportunity in his life and he's he's he's, he's, he's regretting it. So it's it's about talking to the hearts, not to the heads. And why am I telling you this this whole story? I was convinced that I would create some um, resistance at my teams. And at my shoulders, so I was squeezed between my teams and my shoulders, and I was convinced that I would um, even shoot myself in the foot by asking them to do it. Even asking them was already for me uh, a mistake. Wow, this guy is not committed. And I have put my own um, limitations to this story. And by discussing with my team and discussing with my shoulders, I realized that everybody was in. In fact, I was the only one that was not in. So it's a total made-up story in your head. Yes. Of what? Of believing that taking the freedom to make your dream happen or to make a lifestyle. Now we're talking about remote work. To make a lifestyle that is the lifestyle you want to have we very often have the belief that it's not possible, that it will be refused, that it will be rejected, that we would be seen as uh, someone that is uh, not trustful, and so on and so on. And in fact, by thinking about the positive consequences of remote work for a company, and as some of them have listed in our talk already, by going to the people who are in charge and explaining them, look, I have a solution to reach innovation, to reach empowerment, to reach um, more efficiency, to reach more productivity, to reach more uh, ideas. Do you want to hear what is the solution? Of course, this is called remote work. It's a, it's a complete way, complete different way of approaching it. How else have you spoken to people's hearts? Can, can you repeat the question, please, John? Well, so I was asking, how else have you spoken to people's hearts? And and the 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 background behind that is, I am a I'm a recovering person. That's lived, I'm a I don't know what the term would be, but I spend so much of my life living in my head, and I'm on a mission to live more and more from my heart. When I talk to uh -huh. people, when I coach, when I do my thing. And I got to tell you, it is such a better place to live from. Yeah. So I'm just curious, like, what are other ways that you have, I don't know, lived from your heart, spoken to people's hearts? Uh, well, I would say first, welcome to the almost 50 uh, years old uh, people. Is this correct? That's right. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Or until, beyond. Until a certain age. <laughs> Until a certain age, you do a lot with your head, and then you realize that uh, when you look back, uh, the 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 heart component is missing. Eh? Yeah. Well, it, well it's either I, it's missing. Here, yeah. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I guess th- what what continues to strike me is is how how powerfully informing and how wise it can be when you mm. now again I can't follow every fancy my heart has, but there's a lot of awfully good information and insights there when I remember to go there. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would say it's intuition also because heart is more about intuition, yes, it's more yes. about feelings, it's more about um, um, knowing that it's the right direction, that it's the right flow. You feel in the flow, you feel it's, uh, it's the, the place to go, the decision to make instead of putting 20 bullet points on a, on a paper. Um, what um, what makes me uh, uh, decide with my heart is is uh, is very often to provide. Uh, um, I will I will say it's a bit different, uh, John. But I believe that in a position of a CEO, you have the great chance to accumulate a lot of resources. So I'm, I'm a focus point of a lot of resources. I have a lot of people working in the organization. I can decide what they will do, what will be their impact. I have a lot of profit coming to me. I can decide what partially I can decide what I do of this profit. I have influence because as a CEO, when you say something, people tend to pay more attention to what you say than he, yeah, it's associated to the title. So, in the position of a CEO, you are a focus point of a lot of impact. And when I decide with my heart is how can I redistribute this impact to make my ecosystem better? So how can I redistribute those resources to my employees, to my shareholders, to my customers, and to my partners? How can they benefit from this concentration of resources? And this is mainly when a heart ticks in. Because this is about hospitality, this is about generosity, this is about inclusion, and this is not something from the head, it's from the heart. What are some of the other challenges of being a CEO? Loneliness. The loneliness of a of entrepreneurs or CEOs is, uh, is something I discuss every day with peers. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of loneliness in this position, of course, because you can't, it's difficult to find peers. It's difficult to find people who have the same uh, understanding because in a position of CEO, you have a, you have a global picture that uh, on that nobody else can have. You have a global picture of your organization that nobody else has. And as a CEO, you have uh, difficulties to share with people around you uh, what you what you experience. I'm giving you an example of. Um, 
for example, with your partner, uh, it's very difficult. I, I share very often with uh, friends, which are CEOs, how challenging it is to explain at home or at your partner to explain what you have experienced because they don't have the full picture. So they can't understand. And we very often have the tendency as CEOs to close ourselves and not to share with the family uh, what we experience because it's two different words and two different words that don't communicate each other. Um, and this is something that I hear a lot between in CEOs and also partners of CEOs. They say, yeah, he never tells uh, what he does at work. He, we, never get, we never get to know what's happening at his work. And I can tell you that why? Because it's 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 so fast. It's so so much information. So much this global picture that you have to to bear in mind that you can't explain all the consequences and the domino effect, for example, of a decision you make. So it's um, the loneliness of a CEO is quite uh, it's quite um, it's quite something. Yeah. That's why a lot of CEOs have coach to help them mm. on this matter. So yeah. yeah. So how have you overcome the loneliness yourself? Yeah. yeah. I, I do I do face it a lot. Um, yeah, with coaches, uh, that's something that helps. Um, by sharing also on LinkedIn uh, my concerns and my uh, achievements, uh, then I get uh, some um, uh, traction from people uh, entering into discussion, entering into the conversation. Um, but still, there is loneliness in this position. You should not underestimate it. Yeah. What are the upsides or the amazing parts about being a CEO? Um, that's a very nice question. <laughs> um, I, I, what I appreciate very much in this position is, the, um, as I said before, the possibility to uh, redistribute resources the way I want, um, the possibility to have impact, so basically, when you have a vision, you turn this vision into a strategy, and this strategy turns into uh, the implementation of the strategy, and you see the concrete result of uh, what you deliver. The example I gave at the start of our conversation, uh, thanks to the strategy and the vision uh, we had with my team, uh, some kids are uh, now using e-learning to to learn uh, different uh, disciplines like uh, mathematics or English. And uh, they use it in a complete seamless way. Um, so the school and the kids benefit from the integration we have done of this offer. And this is a great satisfaction. And I really admire even uh, social entrepreneurs who have even a greater satisfaction of having an idea, uh, accumulated resources to be able to uh, put this idea in motion. That's a great satisfaction. Yeah. There's someone listening to this that says, okay, Jan's won me over. I need to make my whole company remote. What <laughs> advice would you give them on doing this in a way that's maybe more effective or more efficient than it's been for you? I, If I was to do it again, um, my first advice would be to involve the management um, upfront and uh, only the management um, by uh, having a tour 
of uh, remote uh, organizations. So to be inspired by um, visiting remote organizations. Um, so the management would directly uh, step in the concept and see the advantage for uh, the customers, the employees, uh, basically for what uh, what makes them uh, wake up every morning. Um, that that's my first advice would be to have more involvement of the management. I have underestimated um, the the lack of traction. Uh, or even sometimes the opposite energy uh, from the management. That's 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 really that has something. I would do it completely different if I was to do it again. I had the naive enthusiasm, like every idea I have, you know, the naive enthusiasm to oh, it's a good idea, let's do it, guys. You believe in it, of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's talk about it. Yeah, no, it's nice. Let's do it. You know this. When you initiate, that's also something as a CEO, you very often initiate change. And the initiation of change, if it comes from you, and especially if it comes from your heart, it's obvious. For you, it's it's already done. You know, when you say it, it's already done. You're ready to the next idea. <laughs> but this is the what I call the naive enthusiasm that uh, it's not because you already have made all the journey to uh, the implementation that the people around you uh, will make it as fast as you believe. So. Um, and bring the people with you in the journey, and uh, don't be uh, too pushy with your with your own ideas. What's something I should have asked you? You should have asked me. What's the benefit for me? Mm. What's the benefit for you? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Little coaching trick there, by the way, people. <laughs> when you're not sure what to ask next, ask the other person. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, the benefit for me is the the satisfaction of being disruptive, and uh, the satisfaction of uh, offering uh, people in my organization uh, a better relation with their work, because I have seen some unbelievable. Uh, side effect that I was not expecting of remote work. And uh, one of them is, of course, the stop of commuting or the reducing of commuting. Uh, and I've seen some people uh, use this time to give back some time in their local communities. And that was completely unexpected. So basically, you commute one hour, what, two hours a day, back and forth. This is 40 hours a month. Two hours of commuting a day is 40 hours of commuting a month. I love to, to do those mathematics because that's uh, you, you reach amazing figures. This is about 500 hours a year. It's huge. Imagine if today I tell you, hey, John, you have 500, 500 more hours this year. What will you do about it? Of it? Wow, that's huge. You can think yeah. of a whole project. Yeah. It's a whole project you can start. Um. So I've seen some people having the cleverness to uh, see that and to decide to redistribute this time in their local communities by having um, volunteer works. Um, I've seen some people um, uh, living their dreams. I've seen some people who, uh, thanks to uh, remote work, are able to combine 
one of their hobby or one of their activity with work, where in fact it was in opposition before. So they were like, okay, I, I, I will never be able to do that because I have to work. Um, so the, the satisfaction of um, providing people uh, a great surprise on how life, uh, especially when it comes to work, how life can be different uh, when you together uh, put some trust on the table and use this trust uh, carefully. What I hear in what you're saying too is it has such a multiplier effect. Like you're oh, really, you're yeah. changing the world for good in so many possible ways. Yes. Yeah. 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 For good, for better, uh, for less worse. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, but this commuting thing, uh, we didn't talk a lot about it, but you know, I, I love to do something when I'm somewhere in the world. I love to be in the car at eight o'clock in the morning and everywhere everywhere you see it's in i did it in Shenzhen. i did in china i did it in toronto in canada i did it in um in chiang mai in, uh, in thailand I, I do it of course very often in amsterdam i do it in paris in milano it's every morning is the same it's a flow of cars with people alone in their car tired stressed uh going to work going going to hell you know and uh <laughs> it's 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 stupid it is stupid it's the biggest massive mistake we are doing at the time which is to all go to work at the same moment and this is an, a, a legacy from the industrial times where the first factories 120 years ago had the obligation to request people to be there together because the work of one was depending from the work on another. So you had to organize a sequence. So you have to have all the people at the same time at the same place. This is not needed. Not Well, this is needed still in some production activities, even though in an in a office activity, this is not needed. So we have the legacy of people from uh, working from a factory we still organize the work the same way where it's not needed. So this is about legacy and not thinking why we still do it. I have I have recently read in a book a very funny thing about legacy to give you an example. Uh, why do we have grass in our gardens? Do you know why? No, and it's something that I would be very happy to not have. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like... 99% of the people, why do we have grass in our garden? It's, it's, you have to maintain, you have to mow it, you have to put some fertilizer, you have to, to put some water. You, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Why do we have grass in our gardens? Well, one says that it's a legacy from the French king, uh, Louis XIV, that decided to have grass around his castle to show that he was so rich that growing a vegetable needs a lot of attention. But a vegetable that brings no value is a way to show that he was very rich because he's paying attention and money and people <laughs> to grow something that has no value. <laughs> wow. So we have this legacy. Okay, it's beautiful to have a house with grass around it, but we all do it without thinking why we do it. Yeah, let's put some grass there. It's nice. Yeah, but <laughs> look, you're going to spend two hours a week 
at least taking care of it, and you're going to spend maybe $2,000 a year to take care of it. Are you ready? Wow. We still do it. It's and you're blowing the so whole it's thing up. it's a massive mistake. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's again a massive mistake. <laughs> hmm. Well, as we wrap up, tell me, how did, did you go on the sailing trip and how did it end? Yeah, it was great. It was great because you, you uh, three weeks of a complete disconnection from the from the grid is is really something. I, I anybody that has the opportunity to do it, just do it. Um, you 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 you. Well, especially on a sailing trip, you forget. After two weeks, you forget that uh, land has existed. It's like a dream, you know. You, <laughs> did 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 I saw that somewhere, or was it a dream? Because you get tired, also huh? you have you have to do the the watch, and uh, you sleep not very well, and there is some waves, extra. So so you, you enter into a kind of a flow of a very basic life, just taking care of the boat during your watch, and then eating and sleeping, and and reading books. That's about it. Uh, so it's a kind of retreat, uh, but you are not triggered by external life. Uh, it's very protected. People are like, oh, it's very frightening. No, it's very safe. You have a very a clear view of your life and your world. Your world is the boat. That's it. With limited resources, water, food, uh, wind. Uh, that's it. So it's very simple. It's very protected. Um, so it's a good platform to take some time to have an inner journey. And uh, interesting enough to mention that when we arrived on the other side, I couldn't step out of the boat. This world that was in front of me on the shore was too complex. There was too much noise, too much cars, too much emails, too much everything. I was like, I'm not able to handle that. It's too much. Hmm. Uh, so it's just to, to show how, how triggered we are every day by the life we have. And when you put it on hold, when you pull the plug, uh, it, it, it was amazing the headspace it has created to me. Yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's 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 a great experience, and uh, it's it's the ultimate remote work, I would say. <laughs> work on yourself. It's the work on yourself. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. where could people find out more about you, your company, your message? Yeah, I'm. A, I make it very simple. I have a LinkedIn profile that is easy to uh, to find. It's Y A N N. For my first name and my last name is Toutant, T-O-U-T-A-N-T. And if you put that in LinkedIn, you will find me and uh, it's very easy to engage conversation. Just like this. Thanks so much Just for like having this, this conversation. <laughs> Thanks for your great questions, John. Thanks for listening to The John Polster Show. Notes, links, and all that other good stuff for this episode are at johnpolster.com slash podcast. Send your questions, ideas, or a simple hello to podcast at johnpolster.com. Want to stay up to date on new episodes and receive notifications of upcoming events? Register your email address at johnpolster.com slash updates.